your finances will leave a long-lasting impact on your family. After all, you only retire once. If you're looking to discuss all things pertaining to your retirement, you've come to the right place. This is Retirement Matters with Michael Stewart. It is time for another edition of Retirement Matters Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in to our little program here as we talk about investing, finance, and retirement with the one and only Michael Stewart, founder of Crystal Lake Tax and Financial. And uh, you can find him at crystallaketax.com. Michael, my friend, how are you this week? I'm doing great, Mark. I, and I assume you survived the storm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have survived the storm. Uh, a little, little water, a little bit of water around this area, but not as bad as some of our our, our fellow uh, East Coasters have have gotten it. And of course, certainly not as bad as the Bahamas. Boy, that's just terrible there. Um, it's that's true. Yeah, I mean, you know, we get hurricanes all the time, but when they, the worst is when they just sit. You know, it doesn't matter what size they are, what category they are, but when they just stop and don't move. That is the worst. And for a Category 5 to just stop and sit on the Bahamas, pretty rough stuff there. So uh, hopefully that, you know, those folks there will be able to rebound and, and, uh, and get themselves back up on their feet. So anyway, but thank you. Yes, thank you for asking about us, and we're doing well. So this week, let's get into our topic. I want to <laughs> – wait a minute. Before, before we get into this topic, i got to ask you about this because I saw this as – I thought this was kind of funny, and I had to get your take on this. Have you heard about this new trend, Michael, about wedding loans – where now companies are, and I'm surprised this has not existed sooner, actually. I did, it shocks me that this is a newer thing. But people are loaning money to young couples for their wedding, and the rates are outstanding. They're crazy, like anywhere from 5% to 36%, depending on the person, obviously. What's your thoughts on wedding loans? Yeah, well, I will counter you a little bit that wedding loans have always existed. You know, just me. Not. Okay. They just, were either called your parents or your credit cards. Oh. <laughs> you know, so, so I think, okay. Yeah, now they've just packaged them in a pretty uh, brochure. So, right. Okay. You know, it's very so, true. Very true. Yeah. yeah but no, I, I agree. This is actually so much of a, just a bigger thing. And I think it, it goes back to, if you even just think about our educational system, you know, it's, you know, I've got two boys in college at Iowa right now. My daughter's a junior in high school and, you know, there is not a lick of, personal finance training in, you know, high school, let alone, even if you're in the business college, you know, there's no personal finance training. So, you know, when these young adults kind of get out on their own, if, you know, if we haven't tried to guide them as parents along the way to hopefully help them make, you know, at least educated financial decisions and understand the pros and cons, you get things like this, like, hey, I should take out a loan for my wedding. Why? I don't know. It's easy to get, you know, interest rates. I don't care. Five, 36%. What difference does it make? I just have a small payment, you know, so whether it's student loans, you know, and, you know, graduating with a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollars of student loans, whether it's putting 50 grand, you know, your dream wedding, essentially on a credit card, because that's what a wedding loan is, then it just doesn't make sense. And, And the reason why, you know, putting my financial planner hat on is I just sit back and say, you know, but do you understand what this does? And I have this conversation about student loans too, but any really, any debt that someone young or old even has is that what that means is you're borrowing, you're borrowing, you're taking money today from the future because you're going to have these payments, you know, for an extended period of time, which means that today, because you're just making those low monthly payments, or what you think are low monthly payments, you know, independent of whatever the interest rate is, that means that you're borrowing from the future because now you can't save more money in your 401k. You can't save money to put down on your mortgage. Why? Because you're paying for your wedding for the next seven years, you know, and chances are, you know, 50% chance divorce rate, you know, there's a chance <laughs> that you know, you'll be divorced before that loan gets paid off, you know? So Which that's, a, that's a whole, that's, yeah, that's a, well, that's, that's a valid point, but that's a whole nother conversation, right? 
<laughs> this is true. So, you know, that's where you go back to, you know, there's good debt and bad debt. And most debt falls under the bad debt. You know, so most consumer debt outside of perhaps a mortgage, you know, with a good down payment, most of it falls as bad debt. You don't get a tax write off on it. And all you're doing is and our government, you know, once again, a whole nother conversation on that is anytime you borrow, you know, you're taking future profits and you're spending them now but it limits your ability to be successful going forward. You know, so yeah, so whether it's wedding loans, you know, uh, over the top student debt, those kind of things, it's gonna be a big problem as a society because once again, you're taking cash flow over the next three, five, 10 years that should be to build your own personal net worth, to invest, to save, you know, whether it's to improve your situation or pay down debt, whatever it happens to be you're stretching your finances and yeah, yeah, it's just a shame. Well, I think there's a whole conversation that really needs to go on as a society about teaching people how to save, because you can look at those two things you just mentioned, the wedding loans and the student loans and how these things are kind of, you know, gathering steam. Well, the student loan thing is out of control. And, you know, these conversations about certain politicians saying, oh, well, we'll just do something to forgive all that debt to give them a better chance to get started. At life. And I get both sides of the argument, but where's the conversation about saving and paying for these things to begin with, like so many people have done before that? So anyway, that's a topic for another conversation. But it does kind of lead me into where I wanted to spend our time this week on the podcast, Michael. And that is, you know, at the time of this podcast now, the market is the Dow is at 26.7. It's uh, up 1.58%. We've had weeks and weeks and weeks of down, up, down, up, down, up, just, you know, craziness. And people are always saying, what's the next market crash going to look like? What's going to be the trigger? We could jokingly say it's going to be wedding loans. It was, you know, the home industry <laughs> 10 years ago. Maybe in the future, it'll be wedding loans. I don't know. But people are always saying we're on the cusp of another one. And it's we talked about it last week with the interest rates a little bit, or last podcast, excuse me. So, you know, nobody's got a crystal ball. It's hard to predict. So let's just talk about a few places where... You know, people might want to think about where things could come from or what it might look like should we have another downturn. I don't even like to say crash. I think it's more like a downturn, but it is possible. So it's inevitable that people are going to ask you this question. I know you probably get this all the time as well. How do you even respond to this? Yeah, I, th I think yeah, it's human nature. So, you know, the pain of something is more memorable than, you know, what we feel about the gain. True. So, and, and that's why a lot of your media is negative attention. You know, you turn on your local news and everything's doom and gloom and it's all about, well, we're in the Chicago area, so it's all about shootings, you know, on right. here. But it, what they don't report is 99.99% of people made it home and everything's fine and they're tucking their kids <laughs> right, in bed right. and you know, they still have a job. Instead, it's, you know, it's one or two, three yeah. really bad headlines that make you question everything about the world. Yeah, it's doom and gloom uh, all the uh, time. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. And on the financial side, it works the same way. You know, you get, you know, bulls out there that doesn't matter what's going on in the market. Bulls are just rah-rah stock market cheerleaders independent of any data. And then on the exact opposite of that barbell, you've got bears that, you know, have been forecasting, you know, the next 50% crash since the day after the recovery began 10 years ago. You know, so and at some point they're going to be right and they're going to be right. Why? Because the business cycle goes up and down and yeah, bear markets happen and crashes happen. And, you know, hopefully it's not a financial crisis like it was before, but who knows? And, you know, you can't lean on economists. Most economists, you know, that they prop out there, you know, they forecast 10 of the last two recessions. They don't know either. You know, so that's just the way that it works. They come out and say, our models say this. Is that early? Is that late? They don't know. Right. You know so what, every day we get the conversation, people saying, you know what? No, I think, you know, Trump's going to save the economy and, you know, he'll do everything in his power before the next election next year. So I'm going to stay bullish. Okay. That's not really a strategy. Right. Know, based right. On, 
based on hope or anything else. And we have others saying, you know what, I've been sitting in cash since 09, just waiting for the market to drop. Well, neither one's really the right strategy. You know, the right strategy is putting a plan together that good markets or bad, you'll be able to weather that storm. Well, okay, so Michael, if we do, look, everything that goes up has to come down. We can go into whatever little, you know, sayings we want to go with, but we'll just play, you know, devil's advocate here. If we have another downturn, and it's quite probable because, you know, I mean, it just can't go on forever, right? And this market has been very much, you mentioned the storm earlier when we started the show, it's been very much like this last hurricane. It's like, it doesn't seem to want to make up its mind. Every time we think it's going to fall, it does so for a little bit, and then it bounces back up, and it's a... Faked us out. It's kind of juked us, if you want to go to football terms, a few times over the last year. Do you expect one to possibly be as severe as uh, as 11 years ago in the 08 crash? A few of the things that you would really look at is, you know, every crash, you know, so we'll say bear market. So, you know, greater than a 20% decline. Now, we've had in the last 20 years, we had two 50% declines. You know, if you're just taking a look at the highs to lows or so. And everyone has a different trigger. You know, so, you know, in two bear markets ago, you know, 2000, 2002, you had kind of, you know, the technology bubble that was followed by September 11th, you know, so the markets lost nearly half their value then. Now, by 07, they came back and right as they got back to about where they were in 2000, all of a sudden you had the financial crisis. You know, whether you want to blame that on the real estate market or mortgage or banks, easy lending, taking too much risks, whatever the cause du jour is on there. The thing is that the markets basically lost another 50%. And then by 2013, they were back even. So think about it if you were a retiree, you know, from 2000 to 2013, if you're taking a look at, say, the S&P 500, the market was basically flat for almost 13 years. Yeah. What if you had been going into retirement during that time? You know, so if you ask if the next one's going to be as severe as 2008, who knows? Because whatever the trigger for the next crash is going to be, you know, whether it's in three months or three years, we don't even know what that trigger is. You know, that we can go out and look at certain things like point to credit, to corporate credit debt. Corporate credit debt has nearly quadrupled over the past decade. And they haven't been, you know, taking out all these loans and doing all these bonds and, you know, issue the bond market go up to specifically allow them to build more plants and hire more people and, you know, grow their business long term. What they've been doing is using a lot of that to buy back their own stock so their stock prices go up because if there's less shares available it goes up Mm. they've been using it to reward executives you know bigger bonuses and all those kind of things they haven't been using it to reinvest in their company to make them a stronger company so because the debts quadrupled but the companies aren't dramatically better or more efficient than they were a decade ago well, then that could be a problem. That could be a big bubble as the market and the economy softens. You know, and one of the big questions that we get now, because, you know, it's on the headlines every day, especially with the inverted yield curve and, you know, which means that, you know, short-term rates are higher than long-term rates in many instances. Right. So people say, oh, that's a flashing a red light for a recession. Sure, it is. But, you know, typically that could be six to 18 months out. Right. Now, yeah, you want to position before that happens, but at the same time, you've got to understand that it's all about you, your household, your portfolio. It's not about your neighbor, and it's not about the broad stock market. It's about, okay, are you positioned in the stage of life that you're in right now so that if we did have another 2008, sure, you'd be scathed a little bit, but it's not going to derail your financial plan. Now, that doesn't mean sit in cash either. That just means what's your plan? You know, In a good market and a bad market, have a plan. 
Well, you know, you mentioned the yield curve, and actually, I saw I couldn't believe that a network put a guy on TV who was saying some things that made you know sense that weren't completely like inflammatory <laughs> with the way the news does things that we mentioned earlier. But he was talking about the yield curve and said, yes, that usually is a predictor, but it also has to stay down for a certain amount of time or whatever. And what we've seen this year has gone down and it's popped back up. And so I guess there's been some other little factors. So it is easy to just take those snippets and run with it. Oh, it's an inverted yield curve, and it typically leads leads to a recession, blah, blah, blah. And we tend to do that as humans. So if people are worried about these things, about a recession, does you mentioned, you know, you can't just sit in cash either. You've got to strike that happy balance. And that's where really having a plan that makes you comfortable and then having faith and believing in that plan has got to help too, right, Michael? Because you can't just, you can't move money all the time and you can't just go sit in cash in the corner and wait. No, and you're right. So individuals, which is basically everybody these days, you know, that are worried about, you know, the next market crash or so. Right. Here's the way that we counsel clients. So, you know, most of the individuals come in our office are within five to 10 years of retirement or they're already in retirement. So what we say is, okay, here's what we're going to do. How much income do we need? You know, meaning that it doesn't matter what the market's doing on any given day, what Trump's tweeting, what the Fed's saying, any of those kind of things. How much income do we need from our investments over the next five years? You know, so whether it's as lump sum, we got to pay for weddings, we want vacations, or if it's just, hey, I need monthly income just to supplement my other income sources. Great. Let's figure out that number. We get that number. Then we position assets in things that either provide a guaranteed income stream. You know, maybe there's an insurance company back in that income stream, so we're not concerned about what's going on in the markets. Or, you know, we take a look at, you know, a variety of fixed income you know, bonds, preferreds, REITs, whatever it happens to be, different, basically things that generate interest and dividends on a regular basis, then we set aside that money. So now we don't care what happens with the market. It's not that we don't, I guess that's probably the wrong, you know, phraseology of it, but it's not that we don't care what happens with the market. It's not going to impact our income over the next three to five years. Right. So we could weather a downturn. We could, you know, our, we're going to continue to pay our bills, travel, go on vacation, do things, even if the market falls off the table. It's fine because your income is going to be consistent over that time because now all of a sudden, now that we've segregated everything's away, where now for the next five years, we don't have to worry about how the bills are getting paid. Now we can do one of two things. We can stay conservative with the remainder of the money that you have and then wait for a significant market decline to go in then and use that as an opportunity. So it's not timing the market. It's just saying, hey, if things fall off, whether it's three months or two years from now, fall off 20%, then, you know, then I'm, I'm in because I know I'm a lot closer to the bottom than I would be, you know, getting in today. Or we can say, and there's no wrong answer here, or we can say, you know what, if my income's covered for the next five years, then really I could afford to be a little bit more growth oriented with this money so I can get a rising income later. Because I don't know what the market or these are going to be valued at six months or a year from now, but chances are they're going to be higher three to five years from now. You know, so that's just once again goes back to solve for the retirement income that you need, protect those assets so you get sustainable, predictable income, and then have the growth conversation and the risk conversation with what's left. Well, you know, as we say on the program all the time, that's why you need to make sure you're working with uh, the right person, the right fit for you. Crystal Lake, of course, has a one-stop shop with a CPA, enrolled agent, paralegal, all on staff. Of course, Michael is a registered financial consultant, has an MBA in finance, and they're just really you know, a good place, a one-stop shop for you to come in and, and talk about the things, any financial things that make it retirement matters, really, which is where we name the show, right? So the whole point is, you know, whether you're sitting there getting worked up about the market or not, 
then you're obviously not in a plan that is helping you feel comfortable. And you want to have those conversations. You want to sit down with someone who can walk you through that and get you on to that right path. And if you're not getting that from your current advisor, well, then there's certainly nothing wrong, nothing wrong with getting a second opinion. You can certainly come over and talk with Michael. Call him at 815-526-3092. That's 815-526-3092. And don't forget to go to the website, Crystal Lake Tax. Dot com. That's crystallaketax.com. And while you're there, you could submit an email to the show or you could also subscribe to the podcast in various ways. And uh, speaking of the emails, I'm actually going to jump over there and take a question from Ray in Huntley, uh, Ray Munns. Oh, sorry about that, Ray. He says, I own my own business and haven't paid much into Social Security over the years, even though I've had a nice income. Is this going to be problematic for me, Michael, in the future? For some reason, I just never thought about it and worried about it until I'm now at the age of 58. Just for full disclosure, I don't know, Raymond, but I know in our tax practice, we have about 10 entrepreneur business owners, you know, which are the backbone of our economy that are in the exact same boat that you're in, Raymond. And what I'll, I'll answer that question is, is that going to be problematic for you because of the low social security is really going to be is it depends. And why I say that, Raymond, is that, you know, there's two kinds of business owners over the years that I've come with. And, you know, and, and, you know, as Mark mentioned, you know, we have a tax practice. We did over 600 tax returns, both business and personal last year with our CPAs and enrolled agents. We've got the investment management, estate planning, you know, so we cover all those things. But specific to this on the tax side, what I see is when I talk to a lot of small business owners is that one of two different things have happened. One is you're a small business owner who just is very patriotic. You just don't like paying taxes. So <laughs> you found out every way, because especially because of self-employment tax, you, know, you got to pay you know, your own social security and Medicare, but you also got to pay in the employer side of the social security and Medicare. So basically above and beyond income tax, you got to toss in another 15% just to cover that. So yep. you know, I, I get it. I understand I own my own business. It's the same thing. But at the end of the day, what happens is, so, you know, you said, oh, you know, hey, I've made $100,000, but on paper, my business actually lost money or I only made a few thousand or a few ten thousand, twenty thousand dollars or so. You know, so you got the lifestyle that you wanted from cash flow. You were a little creative on your accounting, perhaps, so that you didn't have to really, you're only taxed for Social Security on the profits of the business. So now all of a sudden what's happened is, you know, you're 20, 30 years down the road. Raymond, in this case, you know, you're 58 years old. And now all of a sudden you're like, huh. I just got my social security statement. I haven't really paid a whole lot of money into that because it was based on the reported profits of the business. So yeah, you don't have much social security. Now the flip side of that though, is somebody in that exact same boat, which isn't unusual, but instead what they've done is the first question I ask someone when, when this comes up in our tax practice and you know we're having a financial planning conversation is, what did we do with that money over the years? So the last 30 years you've had this business, hasn't shown a lot of profit, so you haven't really paid in a lot, but what have you done with the money that you've done on the side? Have you been putting into IRAs? Were you buying rental properties? Were you squirreling it away in a can in the backyard? Whatever it happens to be, were you at least saving for retirement over that time? Because if you were, you may still be in great shape. Even though you may not have a lot of social security, you might have a large nest egg, or you might have 10 rental properties or something. You know, So you've been using that money wisely over the years. And why that's important is because if you're in a situation where the money's gone every year and you're not contributing to Social Security, yeah, that's problematic. But if you're somebody that's been, you know, that same 30 years, you didn't pay much into Social Security because on paper you weren't making that much, but you leverage those assets every year into, you know, increasing your net worth. 
then you may be perfectly fine. So when I say it depends, it depends on what you've been doing the last 30 years as far as have you been increasing your net worth or is it has been dollar in, dollar out? Because that's where it becomes problematic if we've got low Social Security. All right. Well, fantastic question, Raymond. Thank you so much for submitting that in. Yeah. I mean, that's why we do the podcast. We try to take all these different subjects, hopefully find interesting ways to share this information with you. uh, That'll, you know, if you have that light bulb moment and you're like, yeah, I need to be talking about this or addressing that, then reach out to Michael and let him know you'd need a little help. You'd like to have a conversation. 815-526-3092, the number to call. 815-526-3092. Go online at crystallaketax.com and uh, check out the team and the website there and subscribe to the podcast as well. Retirement Matters on Apple, on Google, various, you know, whatever platform uh, podcasting you choose, share it. There's links to share this on your social media feeds. Let others, uh, friends and family know if they're in a similar situation, if they're a retiree or a pre-retiree or getting uh, close to this and they need some help. Well, Mike's a great resource to turn to. So Michael, my friend, as always, thanks for being here on the program. I appreciate your time and I'll see you in a couple of weeks. All right, take care of yourself, Mark. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next time here on Retirement Matters with Michael Stewart of Crystal Lake Tax and Financial. See you later, y'all. Investment advisory services offered through Sound Income Strategies, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisory firm. The information provided herein is for training or educational purposes only and does not constitute an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any securities, investments, investment strategies, or investment advice relating to securities, nor is the information or representation that any security is a suitable or appropriate investment for any person. Before acting on any advice, you should consider the appropriateness of the advice having regard to your own objectives, financial situation and needs. Please contact us to obtain our disclosure brochure relating to the services offered by Sound Income Strategies, LLC, and consider its contents before making any decisions. Where quoted, past performance is not indicative of future performance. Sound Income Strategies, LLC does not represent or warrant that the contents of this program are suitable for you from a compliance, regulatory, legal, or any other perspective. We shall have no responsibility for your use or non-use of the program or any portion thereof. Crystal Lake Tax and Financial and Sound Income Strategies, LLC are not associated entities.